Hello, my name is Hugo Vera, and I am a student majoring in criminal justice with a minor in Spanish. My goal is to attend law school and then become a prosecutor. I am currently attending CSULA as an undergrad. In this podcast, I will focus on the criminal justice system and the law. I will discuss and analyze famous court cases and the concepts of criminal law, included but not limited to elements of the different types of crime. Welcome to my podcast, Understanding Basic Criminal Law. Welcome to episode 13 of Understanding Basic Criminal Law. Before we begin, I would like to thank everyone who is still working during this ongoing pandemic and the people responsible for the creation and distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. The coronavirus pandemic is still going on, so wear your mask and respect the rules of social distancing. You should avoid gathering with more than 15 people. And if you are gathering or going out, make sure you are socially distant and wearing your mask. In the last episode of Understanding Basic Criminal Law, I talked about the type of excuses in the law. In this episode, we look at the theories of criminology. What are the theories of criminology? The explanations of criminal behavior fall into eight different categories and theories. Classical and neoclassical, biological, psychological, sociological, social process, conflict, and emergent. I will discuss their backgrounds and define these theories. This episode will be jumping from different subjects you might have studied and learned in school. This episode will not literally jump, it was a figure of speech. See, that was our first English subject. These theories and subjects will, will and should sound familiar to you. Note that this will be the only episode where I go into depth talking about different subjects such as biology, sociology, and psychology. This is a lot of research and previous knowledge I am providing, so without further ado, Let's begin with Theory 1, Classical Theory. The Classical Theory of Criminology refers to the work of the 18th century during the Age of Enlightenment. The Enlightenment is a historical event. This is not a podcast on history, so I will just say this. It was an intellectual and philosophical movement dominating the world of ideas in Europe during the 17th and 18th centuries. The philosophers of this era were Jeremy Bentham and Cesare Beccaria. The interests of these philosophers were based on criminal justice system and penology. Dictionary.com defines penology as a study of the punishment of crime, in both its deterrent and its reformatory aspects, and the study of management of prisons. The concept of penology is very important in the classical theory of criminology. The classical theory of criminology is an idea based on the concept of free will. We are all people and we make decisions. Sometimes those decisions may turn out to be rational or irrational. The people or the deviants breaking the law must be punished. Call back to episode 1. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. The punishment must fit and proportional to the crime committed. We see this idea when distinguishing felonies from misdemeanors. You cannot go to prison for a misdemeanor. You are fined or given a sentence to county jail. You, in fact, can go to prison for committing a felony. It would be ridiculously stupid if someone went to prison for stealing a pack of gum. This would not be what we call proportionally fit for the crime committed. Theory 2. Neoclassical Theory of Criminology The neoclassical theory of criminology assumes people will make a rational choice to commit crime. If the crime is low risk and high reward with little likelihood of severe punishment, then motivated offenders will choose to commit a crime. 
It focuses on the importance of character, character development, and the rational choices that people make as they are faced with opportunities, important concepts of rational choice, routine activities, capable guardians, situational crime prevention, determinate sentencing, specific and general deterrence. Neoclassical theory of criminology focuses on the four goals of the criminal justice system. Just like in episode 9, the goals of the criminal justice system, those four goals consist of retribution, rehabilitation, deterrence, and incapacitation. Theory 3. Biological Theory The biological theory of criminology is super controversial. The Italian criminologist Cesare Lombroso came up with a theory many have rejected. Nevertheless, it is a theory. Britannica.com summarizes the essence of his theory. His investigations were based on skulls and facial features. He believed serious or persistent criminal behavior was based off atavism. Atavism is a genetic trait that reoccurs after skipping several generations. Another biologist by the name of William Sheldon came up with his theory on endomorphs, ectomorphs, and mesomorphs. In Britannica.com, in the mid-20th century, William Sheldon won considerable support for his theory that criminal behavior was more common among muscular, athletic persons, mesomorphs, than among tall, thin persons, ectomorphs, or soft-rounded individuals, endomorphs. During the 1960s, significant debate arose over the possible association between criminal tendencies and chromosomal abnormalities. In particular, it's the idea that males with the XYY trisomy, characterized by the presence of an extra Y chromosome, may be more prone to criminal behavior than the general population. Sorry guys, but speaking as a male, it has to do with irritable male syndrome, which does not allow us to control our impulses, which is why we are more prone to criminal behavior. You have to admit, we get pretty irritated quickly. No, Hugo, that's just you, man. Hmm? Maybe. There is another biological theory, which is surprising to say the least. This biological theory focuses on twins. Twins are more likely to exhibit similar tendencies toward criminality if they are identical than if they are fraternal. The fact that identical twins are more similar genetically than fraternal twins suggests the existence of genetic influences on criminal behavior. In accordance with Britannica.com, they cited some studies. Similarly, studies of adopted children have shown that the likelihood of criminality generally corresponds with that of their biological parents. The rate of criminality is higher among adopted children with one biological parent who is a criminal than it is among children who have one adopted parent who is a criminal, but whose biological parents are not criminals. Pretty confusing, huh? Well, anyway, the highest rates of criminality are found among children whose biological and adoptive parents are criminals. Basically, what they're really saying and what they concluded was, crime does run in the family. Now on to neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters is a concept from biology. This theory involves the levels of brain chemicals. This is a biochemical research, and Britannica.com includes biochemical research in the 1980s and the 90s attempted to identify specific factors associated with an increased risk of engaging in criminal behavior. For example, certain neurotransmitter imbalances in the brain, example, low levels of serotonin, hormonal imbalances, higher levels of testosterone, and slower reactions of the automatic nervous system appear to be associated with increased criminality. These factors do not absolutely determine whether a person will commit a crime, indeed, but most people with these factors do not commit crimes. 
Instead, the presence of these factors merely increases the chance that the person will engage in criminal behavior. Guys, biology is very complex, and to all you STEM majors, I don't know how you guys do it. And there are more contributing factors, such as the environment, that can influence a person to commit a crime. Theory 4. Psychological Theory of Criminology The psychological theory of criminology has to do with an individual's personality. There are many different psychological theories, but they all believe it is a person's thoughts and feelings dictating their actions. As such, problems in thinking can lead to criminal behavior. Famous psychologist Sigmund Freud talks about the id, ego, and the superego. Britannica.com states these drives are restrained by moral and ethical codes, or the superego, that children internalize as a result of their great love for and attachment to their parents. Adults develop a rational part of the personality, the ego, that mediates between the drives of the id and the restraints of the superego. Because the id is relatively constant drive, criminality is assumed to result from the failure of the superego, a consequence of its incomplete development. However, the empirical evidence for this theory is very thin. Criminals are able to develop an id or an ego to commit crimes. Some psychologists have argued mental illness can be a contributing factor to causing individuals to want to commit crimes. Now, this is true, but it is a very small population in which mental illness is attributed to a cause of crime. In episode 7, Insanity Plea and the McNaughton Rule, I talked about how the insanity defense was created. The term insanity comes from the word insane. Insane means to be in a state of mind which prevents normal perception, behavior, or social interaction, or the seriously mentally ill. Mental illness is a very serious topic. If you are struggling with mental illness, I want you to know that you are not alone because there are national hotlines to help and provide the support you need. Talk to someone before it's too late. And sometimes, mental illness isn't noticeable, so always check up on your close friends and family members, especially amidst a pandemic. Most of our health might still be declining with so much going on around us. So always remember, you are never alone, and to love yourself and to take proper care of your health, both physically and mentally. Theory 5. Sociological Theory of Criminology The sociological theory of criminology indicates individual social circumstances contribute to whether or not they will commit crimes. The social environment helps decide whether or not a person will commit a crime. Sociologists believe criminal behavior is learned and can be unlearned. Very interesting. On the report of Britannica.com, the more an individual associates with such persons, the more likely it becomes that he or she will learn and adopt criminal values and behaviors. The theory of anonymity, proposed by the American sociologist Robert K. Merton, suggests that criminality results from the offender's inability to attain his or her goals by socially acceptable means. Faced with this inability, that the individual is likely to turn to others, not necessarily socially or legally acceptable objectives or to pursue their original objectives by unacceptable means. This means if you hang out with criminals or some of your friends are known to be delinquents, then you are most likely to fall under the bad influence of them and follow their footsteps in crime. This is common in gangs. If a person is seen hanging out with a gang member and that specific person isn't a gang member, then the police will label them as a gang member. It isn't fair, ladies and gentlemen, but this is the sad reality we live in. And this also pertains to the labeling theory. The labeling theory in sociology states, if for some reason the person not part of a gang was found associated in a crime, the person will establish a criminal identity and will be shunned from society and labeled as a deviant. Theory 6. Social Process The social process theory of criminology is the view of criminality 
which is a function of people's interactions with various organizations, institutions, and processes in society, all people, regardless of their race, class, or gender, and have the potential to become delinquents or criminals. Anyone can be a criminal, but it's up to you as a person to decide whether or not you want to be a criminal. It is derived from self-control. It is inevitable. People will have desires. It's part of being human. Some of those desires can be obtained through legal or illegal mechanisms. This is where crime comes into play, and people become conflicted on whether they should commit crimes. Theory 7, or my favorite theory, Conflict Theory. I mentioned a couple of seconds ago how people become conflicted on whether or not they should commit crimes. However, some people see it as they have no other choice, but they do it as a need to survive. Let's start with an example. There are three kids who are very poor and hungry. There's a market in the village that has and offers a lot of fresh produce. The kids decide to steal from the market, not because they want to, but because they have no choice. To them, crime is their only way of surviving. The conflict theory is claimed by Investopedia.com. Conflict theory, first purported by Karl Marx, is a theory that society is in a state of perpetual conflict because of competition for limited resources. Conflict theory holds that social order is maintained by domination and power, rather than by consensus and conformity. According to conflict theory, those with wealth and power try to hold on to it by any means possible, chiefly by suppressing the poor and the powerless. A basic premise of conflict theory is that individuals and groups within society will work to try to maximize their own wealth and power. In essence, people who are rich and powerful will do anything to maintain their status. Individuals poor and that lack power will do anything to change their status and circumstances in the which they live in. Those methods are seen as instrumental or expressive. Instrumental crimes are crimes committed for the sole purpose of achieving goals, such as to move up in social class. Instrumental crimes could be burglary, theft, robbery, and drug trafficking. You are doing it to gain something, whether that be a car, money, or material goods. Expressive crimes are crimes committed out of aggression. Expressive crimes include assault, domestic violence, and homicide. The heat of passion crime explained in episode 2, classifying crimes part 1, is a perfect expressive crime. Look, crime is natural and unavoidable due to economic and social inequality, and the law will always be favorable to the rich and powerful. The last theory, or theory 8, is Emergent Theory of Criminology. The emergent theory of criminology is a new theory emerging as the name says it. It relies on the notion creating criminal points of view, feminist criminology and some of the gender issues. Constitutive criminology, wrongdoing and wrongdoing control are delivered through a mix of guilty party, casualty and society, and postmodern criminology, past speculations have neglected to really analyze a pattern of crime as it is something inevitable which will always be relevant even 100 years from now. In the next episode of Understanding Basic Criminal Law, I discuss and examine something relevant, well, still relevant in the world, the coronavirus, or COVID-19. It will be an interesting take for this podcast. I'm sure you will all enjoy and learn something from this. There's so much to unravel and unpack, and we have decided to split this episode in two parts. The next episode will be... Drumroll, please. Crimes that have risen during the coronavirus pandemic, part one, and shortly followed by part two. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. This podcast was produced and edited by Gilbert Molinet. If you would like to donate or provide feedback, my email is verahugo8 at gmail.com. 
If you enjoy listening to Understanding Basic Criminal Law, give us a rating at Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and any other platform. This will really help us get discovered and grow.